fantastic, helping Austinites for 45 years. They want to celebrate with you. Saturday, March 11th, it's the Callahan General Store 45th anniversary celebration. Live music, the Austin fan favorite, the Jonathans. Great discounts going on. Anniversary celebration sale prices in every department. And of course, they always come with helpful hints for your next project for Spring Gardens. It's Callahan's General Store, 501 Bastrop Highway between downtown and the airport. Online at Callahan'sGeneralStore.com. And remember, make it a Callahan's Day. Business Services Studios. You're listening to KTXX FM and HD1 BK. KTAE AM Elgin. K270CO Round Rock. It's the number one preferred gentleman's club in all of Texas. Palacio. Your premier location for world-class entertainment and those famous tantalizing Palacio girls. When it's time to unwind, it's time for Palacio Happy Hour. Seven days a week from five till eight with four buck domestic beers and five dollar you call it. Mondays and Wednesdays, lunch through dinner, the five-star Palacio kitchen features a sizzling steak, fries, and salad for just $8.99. Wow, only $8.99 for a tender juicy steak and sides. And don't miss Super Spin Tuesdays with $69 bottles open to close. Palazio. There's free cover for ladies every Thursday at Palazio. And guys, Palazio is the favorite bachelor party destination in Texas. Ask about complimentary limo service for any big party. When it's time to celebrate, you know where to go. Palazio. On Ben White Boulevard in the heart of Austin. Just minutes from downtown. Take the necessary steps to ensure a quick green up this spring. Weedman Lawn Care Austin can help. Request a free lawn care quote at weedman.com. That's weedman.com. Guests on the horn appear courtesy of the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina Hotline. Vaqueros now delivers and offers curbside pickup. For info on placing your lunch or dinner order, visit vaqueroscafe.com. You damn right. Hope everybody is having a good Monday. If you're a Longhorn basketball fan, nice weekend to finish off the regular season. Big 12 tournament on the way. Selection Sunday coming up. Big tournament coming up. We'll get into all of that. Combine finishing up. Did you watch everything from Indianapolis? Did you get into the freak show? Because, man, there was some good freaky performances there uh, and it included a Longhorn running back that we knew would impress that impressed and another Longhorn running back that we thought would be pretty impressive and he was that a lot of things to get into on this Monday it's Chad and Zay I'm Chad Hastings joined once again by Isaiah Collier what's up Zay Chad what's up dog happy Monday everybody Texas Tech fans where that energy at that y'all were giving us in December mm. where are that where it at? I need that same energy. Because y'all were all over us and then some. <laughs> Texas Tech basketball fans did have a strange, strange weekend. How long has this stuff been going on, by the way? I, I have, I've been following games and trying to you know, deal with actual sports. How long have we been having a soap opera at practice between the coach and his players and little theology discussions? How long has this been going on? I, I love it. Guess it's been going on for a minute now. Now, I know they are into their theology out in Lubbock. I mean, you know, <laughs> the chicks would tell you that, that there are a few there are a few churches out there. I mean, they'll get into it. 
So uh, Coach Adams was was def- definitely a part of that, apparently. Uh, we got that story going on in the Big 12. We've got an all-Big 12 team to talk about. Of course, Texas finishing off the regular season against Kansas. Um also, we got a couple guests coming up for you. 105, Joe Cook, Inside Texas, our normal Monday visit. We also grabbed a national basketball uh, guest to discuss things at 2. His name is Scott Spinelli of the Believe Podcast Network. He's a former BC interim head coach, so he knows his hoops. He's an analyst for uh, Believe right now. We'll get his national thoughts. He's a co-host, uh, host of a show called The Breakdown, and we'll get his thoughts on where Texas fits in for him, get a national perspective on the Longhorns, on Houston, uh, and some other things. I guess, Zay, maybe we start off with a real quick congrats for a local legend that hit a big shot over the weekend. Can we give Jamal Shedd a little love? That was huge. How about that to finish the game against Memphis? And I don't know if you and I get any credit for it, but finally the national media has learned how to say his name. I heard it pronounced correctly throughout all of yesterday. Yeah, they might have a number one overall seed. Let's get yeah. the main point guard his name right. Yeah, they're getting it right now. So congratulations to ESPN and everybody else that was covering it, and mainly congrats to Jamal Shedd. What a moment. Don't call the timeout. Come down the floor. Let your point guard figure it out, and he hangs in the air and buries it on Memphis's floor. Yeah. That was big time. Yeah, man, him and Sasser, they're about as good as a backcourt as you'll see in the nation. And then you look at Walker, who might be a lottery pick, and all the athleticism that Kelvin Sampson has. I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people took them to win the national championship. Yeah, they're going to be one. And that's why another thing I want to ask Scott Spinelli about, get that national perspective on Houston. Just how good does he think they'll be? And at this point, have they locked down a one seed? I don't think so. I think a lot depends on what happens in these conference tournaments coming up this weekend. Yeah, so they'll still need a win or two. I mean, they definitely can't lose. And I think they have to win the AAC tournament because Kansas, even though they lost to Texas on Saturday, they win the Big 12 tournament. I don't know how you not give them a number one overall seed when they already have 15 quad one wins. Yeah, and Saturday gets Texas up to, is it 11? Yes. Quad ones? Yeah, 11 yeah. and 8, quad one. Just a nice, nice finish to the, to the season. So we'll get to the, the Longhorns beating Kansas. Uh, also, let's, uh, we'll start with a congratulations for Coach Schaefer and his team. They win the Big 12 regular season. That's what I'm season. talking about, Coach. Um, going to Kansas State and getting the win at the end of the year. Zay, there's a Somebody lot- that uses his faith in the right way when he talks to his players. Ah, there you go. And people. Uh-huh. Yeah, not uh, like that guy in Lubbock. So... I am glad that Texas is getting out of the Big 12 for multiple reasons, but one of my biggest pet peeves is this basketball setup. I've never understood why they do it this way. If you have a basketball conference where everybody plays the home and home and you sweep somebody and then you end up tied, the tiebreaker's obvious. Texas is the regular season Big 12 champions. The Oklahoma women's team does not get a trophy. They shouldn't get a mention. They shouldn't get a thing. Y'all, Texas beat Oklahoma by 42 combined in those Mm. games. Smacked them. Didn't just beat them, dump trucked them twice. And yet there are two trophies. It makes no sense. I've never understood it. And once Texas and Oklahoma get to the SEC, they're going to have to figure out, you know, how many conference games do you play in basketball? Right now the SEC doesn't let everybody, you can't play everybody home and home. So based on some of that, 
the chance of the schedule, you might need to have two trophies, and I get that sometimes, but I've never understood it here. If you split, that's different. Texas beat them both times. They are the champs. I don't know why Oklahoma gets a trophy. But anyway, that's just my OCD. Yeah, speaking. when Moore went out with her injury early on, you didn't know what this team could be. I mean, you knew they would be good, but that was when Moore was in the lineup. Then she gets hurt. So Vic Schaefer, they've had to do some shuffling around, and I think they finally found a lineup that he's comfortable with going into the tournament. I mean, we know everything starts with Rory Harmon. She's on triple-double watch. Seems like every game. I will continue to say the BYU transfer, Shaylee Gonzalez, has been huge this year. She's the leading scorer for around 13 a game. You know Gacy, she's going to get after it down low and then back to Coach Schaefer and the coaching staff that they have with his daughter and you know everybody that, that, that just brings everything to the table. This is why they're a very good ball club and he gets the most out of those girls and the way they play, they get after it. Like full 94 feet, just the defense is always on point and as long as they make good decisions offensively, we know Shea Holly could come off the and hit shots, then they got as big a chance as anybody. But we know Kim Mulkey doing her thing in Baton Rouge. We know Don Staley has been just a juggernaut with South Carolina. Those teams are always tough, but Texas, they can play right there with them. All right, uh, and before we get to the Texas men, uh, we had a listener on the text line jumping all over me because I hadn't mentioned it yet. A little bit of patience, but thank you for the... Yeah, it's a long show. We just started. Thank you for the reminder, albeit a rude reminder. Um, there there was, you know, uh, one particular sad thing that, that I saw over the weekend I couldn't believe. Uh, one of the big names in Longhorn baseball, uh, especially that uh, that early 2000s era, Jeff Onaveros, and a local legend too, Jeff Onaveros, uh, died over the weekend. Wow. I was so sorry to see, man. Jeff Onaveros, part of that incredible Round Rock baseball community, and then ends up as a Longhorn and was part of some incredible games there uh, with the Longhorns getting a national championship. He would have been a part of that 2002 group for sure. Yeah, he had 20 home runs that year. He was amazing. And he made one of the best plays I've ever seen in that Rice game that was a critical game in, in their run. So thank Thank you for that reminder. Uh, and uh, yes, rest in peace, the great Jeff Onaveros. That was a really sad thing to see over the weekend. Uh, all right, Zay, so uh, big time atmosphere at the Moody Center once again. Longhorns closed the doors on the Moody Center for this season with a big win, 75-59. Not often you play Kansas and say it was never close. I guess we had a couple of those this year with Kansas. When TCU went to Allen Fieldhouse, it was kind of a never close. But this game just felt like Texas had it the whole way to me. I thought they got off to a great start. Kansas seemed to start a little bit flat in this game, and Texas never let them back in it. Yeah, and to all the people that think Kansas wasn't locked into this game because they already secured a Big 12 championship, that's not a real thing. Bill Self's a Hall of Fame coach for a reason. He understands that there's a bigger picture, and he understands that you want to be playing your best basketball against high-quality teams during this time of the year. So, they might have still had a little bit of champagne on their breath, you know, when you burp and you can still taste that champagne from the other night. They might have had that moment for sure. And they have every right to celebrate, you know, the way that they did when they beat Texas Tech. But the Texas Longhorn basketball team, Coach Terry and this staff, they came in with a plan. They executed that to the T. And when you have Timmy Allen only have six points and Marcus Carr only have six points, both of those guys combined for 12 and you win by that amount, by 16 points, 
against a team that might have an overall seed, which that's what Kansas is also playing for, a number one overall seed. Why mm-hmm. is that so important? Because you get to choose where you play in the first four games. You get to choose the local game you play in the first weekend, and then you get to choose what region you go to, which Iowa is one of the regions, which that's what Bill Self would want because right. that's, you know, right by the state. So they were playing hard. They, were, they have something to play for. And, man, Tyrese Hunter, the way that they jumped on them early in that first half, talk about the aggression, like nine free throws for him, nine for ten, made them all. You know, I talk about free throws all the time. If you shoot more free throws – then the or if you make more free throws than the other team shoots, you got a good chance of winning. The Horns made 19, Kansas only shot 15. That shows the aggressor every single time. The Horns, they didn't turn the ball over around seven. Take that. Dude, plus 12 assists to turnover. Yeah. That's big. That's huge. Yeah. And again, Tyrese Hunter, how aggressive he was getting into the lane, going at guys like Grady Dick. We haven't seen that all year long. He's in a way settled for a shot. When Marcus Carr isn't going, you know, you have to have at least two out of those three guards, Rice, Hunter, and Carr. They have to play well in order for the Horns to succeed. You know, majority of the year it's been Serge Ibari Rice and Marcus Carr. Now, with teams focusing on Marcus Carr and him being a little fatigued due to him, you know, kind of carrying the uh, the guards in the starting lineup throughout the whole year, being first-team all Big 12. Now Tyrese Hunter is coming along. And people forget, go watch Iowa State last year in the tournament. Tyrese Hunter was their best player. So he might have just been looking forward to tournament time, and then once March hit, he was like, all right, now time for me to step up, time for me to hoop. And I love what Serge Barry Rice said after the game on the podium, you know, how hard he sees Tyrese Hunter working. Mm. Everybody, including myself, we've been killing them all year long because we just haven't seen that hype that we were supposed to see from the Wisconsin native. We just haven't seen it. And we saw it at the beginning of the year against Creighton and Gonzaga, and now we're starting to see it at the end of the year. So that team that you saw on Saturday, that's the team that can get to the Final Four. That's why I'll be joking with you and Jeff Howe talking about we got our rooms already by getting down there. That, right. That's what I mean. That's what we're supposed to see in these last two games against TCU and whatnot. Like, we, we haven't seen that. And, yes, a lot goes to the crowd, goes to the mood. I mean, 16-1, and one, they were incredible this year. This is the home environment and the advantage that you need to have in college basketball. And the game that they lost to Kansas State, they put up 100 points. So they always shot well at this place, mm-hmm. you know. So the bigs were huge. Christian Bishop, that was the best game he's played since Kansas State. Since he had the, that 14 points in the second half to lead the Horns and that comeback win against Jerome Tang's team, you know, and now he needs to relax on trying to do that windmill and stuff. I'm just glad he didn't tear something. That was brutal. <laughs> I, I get what he was trying to do. He was trying to rock the crowd. This is the last time you're going to play out the mood. I, I get what he was trying to do, but I'm just glad he's healthy yes. and got out of that. Yeah. But, man, again, Tyrese Hunter and Serge Barry Rice, the moves that he was putting on. Like, when I tell y'all, he reminds me of Drew Holiday. When he's cooking, those were a lot of Drew Holiday-type moves. Like, he had Jalen Wilson on the blender with that little fake spin. Or he had a little fake move to the middle on the baseline, and his back was towards the rim, and then he went went towards the baseline. Fake Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, I'm getting sped up just thinking about it because it was so nasty. Then he had a little fake pass layup after the game. I thought he was going to dunk on somebody. 
for an and one finish. That was close. He got, it was yeah, close. That was he close. got up there, then he got by, and he was like, I'm a little thin up here. Maybe <laughs> I should turn this yeah. ball around and lay it Good up. Good adjustment, though. Great that adjustment. Was, yeah, Great nice. body control. Then the threes that he hit, yeah, he was absolutely cooking. He had that fadeaway jumper on the baseline, a little turnaround. Like, he was in his bag. It was Goyard, Louis Vuitton, whatever you want. He was in his bag on Saturday, and you need all of that. When Marcus Carr's struggling right now, which I get it. Now teams are locking in on him. People are thinking, oh, Tyrese Hunter, he ain't going to be the aggressor. He's going to try to be a point guard that's looking to pass and, you know, work his defense. If Tyrese Hunter has that mindset that he had on Saturday against Kansas throughout the tournament, no matter if Marcus Carr doesn't play well or not, Texas is still in good shape. Mm-hmm. We, ha- we haven't seen that type of Tyrese Hunter. These f- last few games, he's starting to bring it a little more against Baylor and TCU. He's starting to bring it a little more. But, man, you, you need that type of Tyrese Hunter. That's what we've been banking on all year long, Chad. We've been waiting on it. We've been waiting on it. Dylan Mitchell was good. The 14 points he gave you, that was one of his best games this year. Had that nice alley-oop. Then, then after that, the alley-oop came to Tyrese Hunter. Arterio Morris had that nice steal that led to the Serge Jabari Rice dunk. And then he had that... Uh, uh, after the offensive rebound by Christian Bishop, he had that huge three. So they gave you just enough. They don't have to give you a ton, but they gave you just enough where you feel comfortable mm-hmm. playing them if you're Rodney Terry. So, yeah, I, I love the game on Saturday. That should give this team a lot of momentum and a lot of confidence going into the Big 12 tournament where they need to play their hardest. Like, I know people are thinking, ah, oh, the Big 12 tournament. I know Rick Barnes talked about him hating the Big 12 tournament. Well, I love you, Rick, but you ain't got no rings in your belt. So, I, you saying that, I think about stuff like that. Like, I ain't no winner's mentality. Bill Self going to come out there ready for war. He going to come out there in Kansas City talking, we trying to win this thing. And we going to have the home court advantage being in Kansas City? Please. And we looking for a number one overall seed? Please. They just won it last year, ended up winning the national championship. Yep. So, and- go for it. By the way, I do like kind of how this uh, bracket sets up for Texas. If you haven't seen it, Texas is the number two seed. They will play Thursday at 6, and they will play the winner of Bedlam. So their first matchup will be against a team that doesn't necessarily have a bunch of fans right there. I think that's good. So based on the way it's set up, Texas would have to play that winner. Then if they advance, they would play K-State, but Kansas and Iowa State are on the other side of the bracket, meaning they won't play both. Right, they're guaranteed not to play Iowa State and Kansas. They would have to play one of them, but not both of them. So yeah, you, you're gonna get three. Hard. If you win the championship, it's gonna be the three toughest days be ever. Tough. Yeah, but at least that first one's against the team that's not right there in the region, and we'll see which one of those teams wins uh, between Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. So the Longhorns get the two seed. Uh, the setup you mentioned the momentum. Zay, let's see if they can carry all that good feeling out of the Moody Center. It was so much good news on Saturday. The only bad news I've got is they don't get to play there anymore. For sure. That place, if they get up on you, it's so incredibly hard for teams to come back on them. But I loved I loved the smiles. I loved the energy. I loved the fact that that multiple guys seemed to have fun playing basketball. To have we seen a game all year where Rice, Morris, and Hunter looked like they were having that much fun at the same time. Uh, it was a blast. I don't know if I've seen those three guys happy at the same time, and all that energy was so cool, and it fit. Marcus Carr is always going to find a way to have a good time. He's got that energy, that leadership, positive energy that will come from him. Now let's see if they can carry that into these neutral site games and at times not so neutral site games if you're facing a Kansas or Kansas State. That was an arrogant bunch on Saturday. It was. That was an arrogant bunch like, hey, 
We don't care who y'all are. We don't care how good y'all are supposed to be or the name across that jersey or who y'all have on that sidelines. Y'all can't muck with us today. Mm-hmm. Y'all, y'all can't. Now, y'all used to clown us about having a horrible atmosphere and stuff like that when y'all used to come down to the drum and stuff. Well, we might not have the history of Allen House, but it's going to get loud up here. Yeah. And it, I, I know real that, loud. I know there's a lot of fans right now that are, are bagging on Dick Vitale for different reasons and in his older age. And the, the broadcast has gotten a little strange sometimes. Did you hear his reaction to the place, though? Have you listened to him talk about Moody Center this year? I thought that was one of Dick's best games in a long time on Saturday. All the national guys have been giving it love throughout the season. And I'm with you. I still like Dick. I think there are moments where it gets a little bit too yeah, much about yeah, him. for sure. But his honesty about the arena, you could tell. It was like, whoa, this is not what Austin used to be. So all that stuff has been building. Get to end the regular season that way. Now let's see if they can uh, can carry it forward. Because there are things about that game you don't want to replicate. There are guys that are going to need to show up in a little bit of a different way uh, than they did. But that's uh, the 23 from Rice, 20 from Hunter. And once again, the Longhorns also don't allow the best players on the other team to go crazy. Yeah. Now, they let. I guess if you want to argue, certainly that Wilson is the best player for Kansas. He does end up with the 23. But after that, Zay, they were able to shut guys down. The fact that Grady Dick ends up with six points in that game. Was huge. Yo, he hit two back-to-back threes where I was like, uh-oh, because he hit the first three he hit, it was a seven-point game. It was 51-44. I yep. was like, uh-oh, here we go. Then Marcus Carr hit a nice off-the-dribble pull-up, and then the next play, Tyrese Hunter gets fouled and hits both free throws. Like He had a little span where he hit like six straight free throws after those two Grady Dick threes. But, yeah, I- I'm with you on the smiles and just having fun, Chad. Dylan DeSue looking at the camera after his and one finish. It seems like every time Timmy Allen takes a charge, he smiles about it because he knows he just kind of baits guys into running them over. You know, he just gets in really good position. And Timmy Allen, you think, oh, this guy, he he only looks about six foot right now. I could take him and he'll cut you off. And he's really good about falling, but not looking like he's flopping, even though you know he's going to fall. Mm-hmm. He's great at that. One of the best charge takers in the nation. And those are things that don't come up on the stat sheet. But for this team's confidence, Chad, if you can beat every single team in the best conference in basketball, like you did this year in the Big 12, you could beat anybody in the nation. Anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good way to look so at it. So they did that. They beat every single team at least once heading oh, into the true. Big 12 tournament. I'm Coach Terry. I'm preaching that. Like, guys, we've beat every single team in this league. This is easily the best conference in the nation. Not even close. We could beat anybody. Yeah, that's a good argument. You can beat those nine teams. Yeah. You can beat anybody on any given day. It's like day. he told him that last week. That's the swagger and confidence that they played yeah. with on Saturday. And, yeah, you, you're going to need all that and then some because that is what the tournament's about. Like yeah. A lot of teams have made it multiple rounds, maybe not being as good, but just being confident and hot at the right, right time. And also, the, if Texas can lead with their defense like they did in this game, that's so huge tournament time. Uh, just, yeah, again, back to just the, the way that team was acting and interacting in the game. The play where Timmy Allen takes one of the charges and slides on the floor, right. and they all walk over there and they kind of look down at him. <laughs> and then one of the guys grabbed his feet and rearranged him, like straightened him up before yeah. they picked him up. Like, they were just having a blast on Saturday. If you're a Texas fan, to see it and know that it's at Kansas's expense, that had to be great. Now, you also need to know that if Kansas gets their chance to return the favor in Kansas City, oh, they're going to bring it. They're going to come at you 
hard in a few days. So the Longhorns will need to be ready for that. Yo. And no, we beat TCU at Texas. Somebody trying to challenge me. Yo, I watched every game. Don't try to check me. <laughs> I'm the wrong one. Don't try to check me on that. They were down by TCU by 18 points and down. came back and won they that game. They did win that game. 79 to 75. I'll yeah. give you the score. Look yeah. that up. That's yeah. right, too. Yeah. Try to check me. Don't check me this week. This is the week. This is it's postseason basketball right now. It's getting serious. Zay's in the tunnel right now. Yo, I can't wait. This is the time of the year. I love this time of the year, Chad, because this is what dreams are made of. This is what we always remember. It's one of the funnest times of the year. Madness tournament. It's going down. And let's let's discuss this Big 12, you know, the the, the all Big 12 teams just came out and stuff. And the coaches pick, but I got a lot of deja vu with Jalen Ford not winning the defensive player of the year. It's just, it gave me that vibe. I don't think it was as extreme because Defensive Player of the Year is a huge reward. And I think Marcus Carr deserved first team for show. And that happened. That happened. Serge Barry Rice deserved sixth man of the year for show. When you told me, when you said Jalen Ford, I thought, wait, did they not give Rice sixth man of the year? Yeah, Please. they had to give that to him. Okay, good. He's the best sixth man in the nation, yet alone the Big 12. So where's the crime for you? Serge Barry Rice is a second team all Big 12er. Gabe Kalsher at Iowa State, they were not good the second half of the year. He was not good. He was up and down all year long. He didn't deserve that. So Rice was named third team. You think he needed to be second? Yeah. 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 Um, That's fair. Damian Baugh, I don't think he's a second team player either. I think if Mike Miles didn't get hurt and Jamie Dixon's squad, they lost some games, they won some games when that happened. But I think Damian Ball's getting a little bit too much credit for that. And guys like Emmanuel Miller didn't even make the list, which is a joke, because I think he's better for that team than Damian Ball is, even though Damian Ball had the better game against Texas. So I don't know. You know, it's all subjective. But Jerome Tang, coach of the year, I'm with that. Okay. Westlake's own K.J. Adams, most improved player of the year. I'm with that. He barely played at all last year, and he started every single game for Bill Self's club and was really good in majority of them. But, you know, Kevin McCuller, third team, he was all right. I don't think he was a third-team player, you know. Mm, so okay. it, it you, is what it is. You, player of the year, Jalen Wilson, you all right with that? Yeah, for sure. Okay. He was incredible. Yeah, uh, yeah the Serge Jabari Rice, it feels like you know, so they gave him sixth man. They also put him on the all-newcomer. Uh, that ain't enough. The all Big 12 all-newcomer team, and I guess they felt like that would be enough. I would agree with you, though. Probably needed to be second team. Maybe he can use that as a little bit of fuel going in. Uh, you can check all that out at Big12Sports.com if you want to see the all Big 12 teams. Again, Longhorns ready to play Thursday at 6. They will take on the Bedlam winner. That game happens on Wednesday to determine the Longhorns opponent. Up next, we'll get into a little NFL combine. What'd you think of Bijan and Roshan? We'll talk about that. Plus, the Freak Show provided some big-time numbers in a couple key areas. Also, coming up in the crap bag, I'll give you a review of UFC 285. I definitely got my money's worth. This is The Horn. Chad and Zay. Oh, that's so sad. That song started, and all I thought of was 
Sounds like a Richard Marks tune. <laughs> and I'm right, aren't I? You're right, yeah. Oh, my God. What's it called? Angelina. Angelina. Rich. That era where you just make a song about a woman's first name. Darn right. Darn right. Richard Marks, who I believe is still married to Daisy Fuentes, I think. All right. I think they're still together. Richard Marks getting us started today. There will not be much Richard Marks-like music discussed this week on Thursday. When we get to Thursday at 2 and the album swap, it's going to get very heavy this week. Uh, Not only am I still going through the Wu-Tang Clan solo records, so this week it is Jizza and Liquid Swords. Oh, this better be a good record because I love love the name Liquid Swords. And then Zay's going to be checking out the Body Count album from Ice-T. He may never speak to me again after Thursday. We'll see. We'll see what he thinks. I've heard one song already. (laughs) I love it. Do you? Yeah. It's such a crazy idea, but man, there's some wonderful intensity on that record. The song that I heard, KKK Chick. But it's definitely not chick. I just don't want to get kicked off air. Oh my god! I'm telling you, it was. It is one of the most raw. We don't care albums that's ever been made. We'll get into that on Thursday. We will not play a lot of body count for you. Yeah, I'm gonna have to find instrumentals. We will try to keep our jobs on Thursday. Uh, but a lot of basketball, obviously, on the board. Texas beating Kansas last game at the Moody Center. We went through some of those All Big Twelve team announcements. Uh, Jabari Rice. In Zay's opinion, and I would agree with him, probably deserved that second team nod. And Rob. He, he got a third team nod, but at least they gave him the sixth man of the year. At least they got the obvious one there. Uh, also, we started the show, and we'll mention it throughout the show today. Rest in peace to the great Jeff Onaveros. And not only thoughts going out to the Longhorn family, the Longhorn baseball family, Longhorn fans, but uh, you folks up in Round Rock that love the Dragons, Jeff Onaveros, uh, a very important name for a lot of people. That was so sad to hear over the weekend. Uh, a lot of stuff coming up. We'll talk with Joe Cook of Inside Texas at 105. Longhorn Baseball um, did drop two out of three to Cal State Fullerton. Close games over the weekend, Zay. You could make an argument that a sweep could have been possible. We don't want to do too many ifs and buts, but they just they couldn't uh, couldn't make the plays. Blew a lead in game one, won game two, and then almost came back and figured it out yesterday, but ultimately they dropped two out of three. Tough, uh, tough start for Texas baseball so far. Yeah, definitely a Tough start for especially their standards, but this wasn't no Augie Garrido Cal State Fullerton team. This was a team that could have been beaten, but we know mm-hmm. that this squad is going to take a lot of lumps throughout the season due to their youth, and this was just another one up in Cali. But hey, Chad, what did I just call? What was that song's name that I just told you? What did I just say? Uh, I d- you said some uh, Angeline or Angela? Angel- yeah, something like that. Okay, that's what you said. It was a girl's name. Okay. That was right. People you were right. To call me right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Angelina, maybe that. So. You didn't have Richard Marks fans on you, did you? No. You got to be careful. That's an intense. Yeah. <laughs> it's an intense group. <laughs> yeah, it looks like he Ooh. has a cult following. Those Richard Marks fans. It was one of the great mullets of its time, though. He had a very put together white guy mullet going. Yeah, it was on. solid. Yeah, yeah. No, he had that going on. That dude is. Uh, he wrote some big time songs back then and uh, sold a lot of records. All right, uh, let's get into some NFL Combine talk. Zay, last week we knew that. B. John Robinson was going to impress in the interviews because he's B. John Robinson, and he did. And the NFL Network folks were gushing about him all weekend long, and then Sunday was when we finally got around to the workouts. Did you get to see B. John uh, in the workouts? And if so, what would you think? Impressed. Yeah? Impressed. I mean, for his size that you know he measured in that and to run the 40 that he ran and just to look as smooth as he did with a lot of good backs like this running back class is really good yeah i like him 
I, Bijan, I think just solidified that he should be the number one taken. I know we talk about it every week, even though we love the combine. At the end of the day, it's what you do on that football field. And as many tackles as B. John Robinson made guys miss this season, you got to know that maybe some team might take a chance on him. I wouldn't be surprised there. We still know the value on running backs isn't what it was like, you know, during the Barry Sanders, Emmitt Smith days. But B. John Robinson, he's going to be a good player no matter where you take him. It's just about finding that right fit and how quick it uh, how quick it goes for him but yeah I thought he was impressive and we knew that was going to happen if you missed those numbers so 511 215 is where he ended up on the measurement 446 his first 40 he slipped and ran a 447 yeah yeah oh my he slipped and faded he slipped and kind of faded off to the left a little bit unbelievable uh 446 was the best time 37 on the vert, and then a 10-4 on the broad jump. Y'all have heard me talk about it. Anytime you're over 10 feet on the broad jump, you are a freak dog. That is incredible, landing something over 10 feet. And then in the workouts, Zay, just the effortlessness. Everything looks so simple. And sometimes I always love the phrasing when somebody says someone is a great hitter of the golf ball or something like that. This dude is a great catcher of the football. Oh, because it shouldn't be that easy. The way he makes it look, catching the ball. Some of the guys make it look physical and make it look like a very physical act. Bijan makes it look simple. And I thought Daniel Jeremiah had the great word for it. The way he frames a football sometimes. The way he catches it. And just that little, the two routes I love on running backs, just the quick little you know, a, just a quick little kind of, you know, wheel route or, or or not a full wheel at all, that's fine. But, I mean, as you're going just a little out route quick or you're going to that route across the middle, they call it a Texas route or uh-huh. whatever. Those are the two routes I like, and Bijan did both of those so well yesterday. So you're telling me he has great hands, right? Absolutely. And maybe should have been utilized more not as maybe. a receiver. Not maybe. Okay, Definitely. Definitely. Yet we were throwing to a guy who supposedly had a broken, who did, I'm sorry, have a broken hand, Mm. Steve Sarkeesian. I wonder how long it would take you to get to that today. I'm sorry, you set it up. You threw one of those lobs that we saw Marcus Carr and Tyrese Hunter throwing into Sue and did those past weekend. Why why in the world would Steve Sarkeesian tell the media that Xavier Worthy had a broken hand for the second half of the season? Damn, don't tell us that. Why would he need to tell us that? why would you? Huh? For his sake and how he was getting just obliterated on social media, I, I appreciate for Xavier Wordy's sake because now people should probably be like, okay, I, I feel for him. But back on Steve's part, why are we throwing it to him so much then? Right. Why are we taking so many shots with him so much, Steve? Over and over in the bowl game, watching drops happen and you're still throwing him the ball. He's got a broken hand? Yeah. I, huh? What was he showing y'all in practice? Like, I, I know in practice, you know, people, that's how you get those reps in the game because you got to prove your worth in practice. So was he looking like Chris Carter in practice? And then on the field, we just saw what we saw. But see, then I got to say, wait a minute. You're not repping to him in practice, are you? He's got a broken hand. True. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Why would you throw to a man with a broken hand in practice? What are you what are you doing? I don't understand. This is not like a linebacker with a broken hand that maybe, oh, you, maybe Steve, you throw a cast Stevie, on it or something. Stevie, Stevie, Stevie. But back to Bijan. Yes. Yeah, it just he makes it look so easy, so fluid, and again, just at that size. I love did you see LaDamian Tomlinson talking about him? 
He loves him. Oh, does he? Oh, he loves I, him. I he was comparing that. him to himself and stuff and saying that the Bears might want to look at him at 10. And, yeah, it, it was cool to see. I just love when guys who played that position, who everybody, a lot of people, Jeff Howe included, compares B. John Robinson to LT. And for LT to go out and say that, that shows how good Bijan is and can be. Yeah, I, I, I'm interested to see where the fit is. And watching these running backs, nowadays in the NFL, fit is crucial for a running back. Where do you end up? What system do they run? How are they going to utilize you know utilize your skills? And uh, coming up in the flex segment, we'll mention you know Deuce Vaughn. How does a guy like that fit into somebody's system? I thought he looked uh, he looked good as well. But Bijan looks good. Roche- yeah, I wanted to see Deuce run that forty though. I get why I he did too. it. Yeah, at five five, he might not. You, you, I, I get yeah. why he did it. I yeah. feel uh, by the way, Roshan's numbers. If you missed that, Longhorn fan, six foot even two nineteen. Obviously, we knew he's a little, little bigger than Bijan. Four five eight on that forty. <laughs> 31.5 on the vert, 10-2 on the broad jump. Somebody is going to get a really good football player here, Zay. We knew that. The leadership that comes with it. Can't wait to see where he fits in because that guy can do everything. Everything. Yeah. He did everything. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he was a former quarterback and was able to go the running back and it was so easy. It was such an easy transition. It shouldn't have been that easy. It really shouldn't have. And I know these GMs are going to look at his numbers and, you know, compare them to all the other backs. Again, Chase Brown out of Illinois, he looked, he looked good. Gibbs, he looked good out of Alabama. Talk about somebody who could really catch the ball and do multiple things, and his 40 was amazing. But, you know, Roshan Johnson, whatever team that gets him, it's going to be a flat-out steal because just how he carries himself on and off the field, being one of those guys, hey, coach, I don't mind playing special teams for you on both sides. It doesn't matter. Kickoff, punt return, rover, whatever you want me to do, I will do that, and that's what's going to keep him in the league and probably make him a huge favorite among the coaching staffs and that front office. So, yeah, I I think Roshan Johnson, he did well, and yeah, he's just going to be a steal for whoever takes them yeah one of our one of our texters commenting on the whole xavier worthy story you still targeted him yes ex- exactly that's a it's wild very confusing story it's wild steven have to walk through that one so yeah maybe the questions will be there it is the start of spring practice today that's one of the first stories that uh, i know the media will be talking about we're 40 days away from the spring game by the way so we'll talk some combine today Bijan and roshan both looking good i'd say all five longhorns looked really good and have a chance to be drafted and i think it's Bijan, obviously that would have the opportunity if he gets drafted in the first round that will break the curse from it's Vince right last offensive player to be drafted in the first round for Texas I think it's Vince Young damn really I think that's right I'll double check it but I think that's that we know the offensive lineman thing's been going a while right but I believe Vince was the last offensive player drafted in the first round think that's right. Mm. I have to double check that number. Uh, draft is on the way in only 52 days from today. Got a lot of stuff on the board today. Coming up at uh, 105, we'll get back to Longhorn discussion with Joe Cook of Inside Texas. His thoughts on the baseball team and what's going on with them so far this year. They come home for 14 in a row. Going to get some home uh, home feel and get to sleep in their own beds and all that to try to figure out what's going on before they get to the rest of their schedule. So maybe that'll help them out. We'll talk to Joe coming up, obviously talking about the basketball team and Bijan and Roshan at the Combine at 105. Up next in the crap bag, let's talk UFC 285. One champ got choked out and the other one did the choking. Next on the horn. 
song here is the cars right that's right yeah kind of uh a signature voice there on mr okasic rick okasic i think i think he's left us i think rick okasic is is dead now uh the cars and richard marks get us started if not i would have just put him yeah yeah if he ain't if he's not he ain't got much time left yeah no it's, it's, he, he might want to get things in order i'm sorry rick if, if i did that to you uh, I believe he is. I believe he's gone, though. Uh, the Cars and Richard Marks getting us started today. We hope you had a great weekend. Texas men all over Kansas. Texas women all over anybody they're playing right now. This time it was K-State that they beat. All the adversity they faced throughout the season, they still end up with the number one seed. Again, swept Oklahoma. I don't know why you're giving Oklahoma a trophy. Big 12's got to stop that when they get to this new version and maybe the scheduling you know, changes a little bit. Then you know, you, you got to figure those things out. If you don't have to give away two trophies, I don't know why you do it. They all deserve a damn thing. What are they doing? What is that? It's real simple. They did it in football a few years ago, too. The one I never understood in football, TCU Baylor, that year in 2014. TCU won a game, like at the end of the year. TCU wins a game and they give them a trophy. I'm like, well, wait a second. If you... They won the game. They had, I think, I think that's, that's what it was. They got the trophy. Baylor ultimately won that game in Waco. So Baylor wins. They end up tied. But they won the head-to-head. The team that lost the head-to-head doesn't get a trophy. Yeah. They didn't understand it. I don't understand that. All you have, if, if the Oklahoma game tipped earlier this weekend, just don't give them a trophy yet. Say, <laughs> if you, say, if you get a trophy, we'll give it to you in Kansas City. That's it. That's it. And then once it played out the way it did, the Longhorns should have known when they win the game in Manhattan, it's all theirs. All of it. There's no other secondary trophy. That's so stupid. We're all, we, we like to gripe and bitch and moan about participation ribbons and stuff. I think that's a Big 12 version of it. You're just giving them something for participating at that point. Yeah, it's pretty weak. Texas beat them twice. Two times. Real simple. Why, why have them play twice if it doesn't matter? That's, that would be my question to the conference. You set it up, and we all love it. I love the fact that te- that the Big 12 plays everybody. Yeah, very unique. And everybody plays a home-and-home. Home. That's awesome. Well, then it needs to matter that they got whipped in Norman and then whipped in Austin. Apparently it doesn't matter. Yeah, they're tied. They both, they're both they're co-champs. Stupid. That is dumb. <laughs> so dumb. Longhorn that fans. ain't even the crap bag, y'all. Longhorn fans, I'll say it on your behalf. That's not even the crap bag today, but I'll say it on your behalf. You, you need to have that trophy all by yourself. We've talked uh, basketball. There's a lot of football, obviously, coming out of the combine uh, where Bijan and Roshan looked good yesterday, where the quarterbacks impressed over the weekend. Uh, C.J. Stroud certainly uh, did a lot to impress people. Anthony and, Richardson, that boy, athletic. And Anthony Richardson. Athletic. Maybe. I don't know if he's the freak of the combine because Nolan Smith of Georgia might be the freak of the combine, but Anthony Richardson was right there. We'll get to some of his numbers as well. Impressive stuff. Right now, though, let's get to another freak in the crap bag, shall we? Chad's crap bag. Crap bag. If you need an easy way to remember it, just think of a bag of crap. 
Brought to you by AV Consultations, 255-8678, or go to avconsultations.com. I admitted it um, on Thursday or Friday whenever I broke down UFC 285. I am a hopeless John Jones mark. I almost hate how much I love him sometimes. But John Jones is the heavyweight champ now, kids, and it was impressive. In two minutes, he choked Cyril Gaon out. Damn, choke out? Choked him out. Little guillotine choke in tight quarters up against the cage. And at first it looked like John didn't quite have it underneath the chin. And then all of a sudden Cyril tapped and it was over. So John gets the heavyweight belt. Did I think he needed to fight for it in his very first heavyweight fight? No, I didn't. And this does speak to the heavyweight division in certain ways. But now let's lay this out for you. John's the heavyweight champ. That's his 15th win in a championship fight. If he well, if you didn't already think he was, you know, solidified as the greatest of all time, he's probably now the greatest of all time. But what's next gets really interesting. He basically calls out Stipe Miocic. Stipe, guy from Cleveland, won the title a few years ago. You may remember the name. Stipe is to some the greatest heavyweight UFC's ever had because he's the only guy that's ever won the heavyweight belt and defended it three times. That's how weird that division has been over the years. Three defenses is the most anybody's ever had, and it's Stipe. And Jones basically calls him out and says that he may want to fight him at fight week in July. Jones took basically no damage in this fight Saturday night. So this could be John Jones against Miocic. And whoever wins that fight gets tons of cred. Either John beats maybe the greatest heavyweight ever. Now, Stipe's up in the late... 30s early 40s but still he's still a badass he gets that win or Stipe Miocic becomes the first human to actually beat John Jones in a fight because John has one loss but it's garbage it's like some stupid rule violation that was a no contest but it wasn't an actual loss just like the no contest with Daniel Cormier nobody counts that as a loss for John Jones so that may be on the way in July if you are interested in the crossover quality of John Jones, you may have to start paying attention again. And oh, by the way, please, John Jones, if you're out there, please no more mess. Please. Please no more away from what the cage mean? stuff. Please no more drug tests. Please no more bad John stuff. John Jones, do what makes you successful, bruh. Now, John is, and also here's the thing, Tuesday, John's talking, John's talking a lot of spirituality right now. Okay. And I want to believe him. Like Mark Adams spirituality or like? No, no. No, just the basics of, you know, thank my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ (laughs) and his power. And he's got a fiance now. Okay. Got a relationship. Things have stabilized. Okay. That. I just want to differentiate the two. Yeah, yeah. A little different. A little different. Just making sure. And I want it to, at least I hope it's different. I want it to be real. I want it to be really, you know, I want it to be legitimate for him. He had the family there. Chandler was there. And for people that don't know, he's got two brothers that played in the NFL, and that's an extremely talented family. Damn, how athletic are they? They were there and hugging and, and celebrating, and I loved it for John. Let's hope it stays consistent. So that was one champ that choked somebody out. The other one got choked out. Valentina Shevchenko, who I love watching, and she'd had, what was it, five, six title defenses in a row? Alexa Grasso chokes her out. She was down in the fight. Valentina was winning this fight. I don't think there's any doubt about that. At least two rounds to one, maybe three rounds to none. And then she gets choked out, has to tap. One of the reasons I love UFC so much is and MMA is just the different ways you can lose. You make one little mistake, and it's done, and you have to quit. She got, cho- she got into the choke at about a minute to go in the round, and you realize, oh, this is done. 
If she gets anything here, she's going to have to give up. So that was good. There was a couple other things on the card that I thought were entertaining. So it was worth my money uh, this time for UFC. Congrats to, so, so to John even, Jones. So you even think it's worth your money, even though it's a quick fight? Like John Jones one. Yes, I'm one. As long as it's definitive, that's all I'm looking for. Okay. I, all I don't want is boring. I don't want a boring fight. If you go five rounds in a championship fight, nobody ever throws a punch. That's when I get mad. Yeah, because you talk about all you gotta do is make one mistake. Oh boy, that swung on John Jones and miss. Then John Jones turned around and grabbed him and took him down. That was it. And he yep. just kind of two minutes in tired him out, got him in that chokehold. It's a wrap. Yeah, so I enjoy watching both of those things. I love watching a great fight back and forth that goes forever, but I also like watching those those quick moments. I don't mind that twenty five seconds domination. That that doesn't bother me. That doesn't bother me as long as it is a definitive win, dominating win. Uh, I love watching that stuff. And those two on Saturday night, I had to watch because uh, one went one way, but one goes the other. One wins, one loses. But those are the kind of fights that uh, that I love watching. So UFC 285 delivers. They've got more coming pretty quickly here in the spring and summer. If you are in to the fights, all right. Coming up, we'll talk to Joe Cook of Inside Texas on Three His thoughts on the basketball team looking that good. Uh, his thoughts. Thoughts on Roshan and Bijan looking pretty good at the Combine, but also his thoughts on this baseball team. What is going on as they lose two out of three to Cal State Fullerton? The good they can take out of it maybe as they come back for 14 in a row at home. Also coming up in our flex segment at 1.30, those two teams we wanted to see face each other did not face each other in the playoffs, and now they are both out. We'll tell you how it happened and uh, what's left now um, in the basketball playoffs. Stay with us. It's the Horn.